Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in. It's the Sox on Tap postgame show. Johnny Nani here alongside NWI Steve to talk about absolutely disgusting games, Steve. I don't even know where you want to start. This one was a whole bunch of bad. Hey, yo, Johnny. Moral of the story is this game just made me fucking sick on so many different levels. So wherever you want to kick this thing off, let's boogie. Right. Uh, it, dude, it, I think just from a general, uh, let's start from the top and let's just talk general here for a second. And you're coming off a game in which it's starting a stretch that's supposed to be this easy stretch of the schedule, bum slain tour, uh, as we've kind of deemed it here at Socks on Tap. And you go out and you win a pretty crisp, clean ball game last night. You did some good defense in the series opener here. Granted, it's two quick little two-game set here. Um, and it was a close 2-1 game, which you didn't expect there. And Tony and I went and we broke that down on last night's show, and we're feeling all right. And then you come out today, and you have a bunch of self-inflicted wounds. You have some unfortunate things in terms of injuries uh, and just some boneheaded plays. Uh, I guess it falls under self-inflicted wounds there. But just a complete opposite of sort of the kind of I guess, clean game, you could say, last night. And then also, externally, elsewhere, Twins got smacked around today. So you had a chance to up that, your cha- you know, your uh, place in the standings there, and you failed to do so, take advantage of that. So not very opportunistic uh, by my standards. Isn't that what we have seen from this team all season long? They just can't get out of their own way, seemingly. They'll have a day like yesterday where they play a pretty clean, crisp ball game, and then they just follow it up with all kinds of dumb fuckery on the base pans, defensively, um, pitchers not being able to throw strikes. We've talked about this too much on the show this season. This team seemingly invents new and innovative ways to lose a baseball game (laughs) on a routine basis, and it's just fucking annoying as hell at this point. I shouldn't laugh because this does, it really does make me furious. But when you said dumb fuckery there, I really think that's the best way to describe all the kind of, you know, if you were to culminate all the events today, that, that was the best way uh, to describe it. Everything from, like I said, base running mistakes uh, to managerial decisions, to bullpen management, all that stuff. Uh, it was a whole load of dumb fuckery. And then obviously uh, the ultimate outcome with being up late and then eventually uh, losing it, getting walked off there. So um, before we dive into the specifics here, uh, make sure you subscribe on tip sportsnet on youtube drop your comments in here we know you're just as frustrated as we are so uh we can go and feature these on here uh it's good to just vent let it all out so that's on tap sportsnet youtube subscribe uh, and then go and give us follow social media at socks on tap at on tap sportsnet and as always find our content on tap sportsnet.com all right steve let's dive into this game it was lucas giolito start today and um I would call this one a strenuous start for Lucas Giolito doesn't get off uh, to a great beginning there in the first inning. And uh, he was fighting it today. 
Yeah, I think the phrase that I would use to describe Lucas today was annoyingly adequate, was able to get through five innings of three-run ball, which after that first inning, giving up three right out of the chute, obviously the leadoff home run to Charlie Blackman, and then uh, kind of getting smacked around a little bit for two more runs in there, you kind of get that feeling of here we go again, a little bit of a continuation of what we have seen from Lucas a little bit too much over the course of the last six weeks. He was able to battle through it. As, as you mentioned, he was in jams quite a bit here today. Um, really weren't any stress-free innings for, for the most part from Lucas, but again, was able to go out there and throw up some zeros after that first inning and ultimately give this team an opportunity to fight scratch and claw back. They ultimately did end up taking a lead at one point and were in position to win a baseball game. So again, that's where I, I say it was annoyingly adequate. Right. Yeah. And annoyingly because it's, it's just super stressful. And that kind of goes to my strenuous uh, sort of descriptor of this one, because like you said, no, nothing easy. He's always in some sort of traffic, some sort of jam there. Um, but uh, I guess, you know, when you do look at the overall uh, numbers on the day for him, he went five, like you'd mentioned, six hits, three earned runs, all of those coming in the first inning, uh, four walks, four strikeouts in the one home run, uh, which started off the game. So um, that, that's where we were with Lucas Giolito in this one. White Sox were able to get two on the board uh, with Yasmani Grendel. I know we have a lot of bad to talk about, but hey, one good thing, one positive here is Yaz is coming up in some nice spots and he's not doing it with the power. He's not seen bat drops yet. However, he is bringing in some runs and he is hitting for singles fairly frequently right now. That's one of the nice things is we've seen from Yaz since coming off of the IL here to start the second half. He's really kind of simplified his plate approach, especially when he gets to two strikes. He's battling off some pitches. We've seen him going, taking pitches the other way, beating the shift and uh, flipping some balls over the infielders there. So not taking the big, huge cuts that, that we've seen from him that will lead to some of the power output. I think, again, that is something that will come in time as he continues to get his legs underneath him. But it certainly is nice to see him go out there, um, you know, these first four or five games since uh, coming back and making some positive contributions here, stringing together. He's had several multi-hit games um, since you know, getting back into action. And that's definitely a positive and something that this team needs to see, particularly from the left-hand side. Right. Yeah, I would agree. So uh, it is, it's just nice to see someone uh, doing that. And obviously we know Yez um, was a big kind of three outcome guy uh, previously. So um, I think that kind of, you know, makes you feel like a little bit better, even though like it was last year when he wasn't doing much power wise, he was taking some walks to try and help his team out. Well, He's doing what he can to help his team out right now. So let's just hope those legs get back underneath him. Um, all right, Steve, White Sox had an opportunity then was in the fifth inning to uh, go ahead in this ball game after Larry Garcia had got, gotten on on a uh, drop third strike. Uh, Sebi singled, and then Tim reached on. There was a uh, um, force out at, at second base, I believe. Or No, uh, Tim was out at first. So you have second and third there. And Yohan Mankata walks, but at the end of this, Larry Garcia gets caught daydreaming off of third base and is picked off by the catcher uh, to end this frame. How deflating is this? Horribly deflating because A.J. Pollock has been a guy that has been coming through in clutch situations. We'll talk about that a little bit later on here. But you're in a, you're in a spot where you've got potentially the bases loaded and two outs. And in some ways, it kind of looked like Colorado might have had a pick play on. There was a shift that was set up for Yohan defensively there, and then um, either the shortstop or third baseman snuck back in there on him for the snap throw from the catcher. But the fact of the matter is this. A lot of people I, I see 
some individuals on twitter.com um, putting all of this on Joe McEwing and everybody knows how I feel about Joe McEwing as a third base coach. But at the end of the day too, as a player, you have to understand situations. You have to know what is going on. You have to understand where you are at in your lineup, what the game situation is and realize you can't afford to get picked off in that spot. You can't afford to have too aggressive of a secondary lead. And you can talk all you want about putting yourself in a position to potentially score on a pass ball or wild pitch, but you get caught in no man's land the way he did right there to take you out of an inning. That's fucking inexcusable right there. And this is just something that this team does far too often this year. The Dumb shit that they do on the bases. I can't ever remember seeing a team that is as stupid on the fucking bases as the 2022 White Sox. Yeah, d- dumb fuckery is the term that I'll go back to here. And it's just, for me, Stephen Grant, I never ascended past the high school ranks when it comes to ball. But one thing that I do remember from my days of playing youth baseball was after you see the catcher secure the ball and you know you ain't going anywhere, it's you get back to that base, right? Like, yeah, that, that seems pretty, I don't know, fundamental to me. But more, more, more over than that, one of the things that you have to be able to do when you're on third base in that spot, again, kind of talking about in case there's a wild pitch or a pass ball, is you have to be able to read to the trajectory of that pitch. There was no way that thing was going in the dirt, so there's no excuse to be that far off the bag in that spot because you're not going anywhere. And again... That would have loaded the bases. There's two outs. You can't fucking get picked off at third base right there. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Is, and, you know, I know the White Sox come back to rally, and we have a segment that we're going to talk about here uh, with, with that. But if you go and add more here in the situation, A, you're at least, at the very least, tying the game, right? When you scratch one across there. Could have gotten more. You know, like you'd said with AJ Pollock, who we'll talk about in a second here, just changes trajectory of the game. And then we can talk butterfly effect of what would happen um, elsewhere uh, in that. So um, let's move on uh, from this one um, and talk about that rally that did happen. Excuse me. There's another one here. Let's, uh, Brayu was it in the sixth inning here, too. And he eventually gets a, a little bit of a hustle play, getting a second on a double. Uh, looked like it could have been a single. Um, but then a line drive to the second baseman. I believe it was Yaz that hit it. And uh, he is caught off of second base there. Um, that's also, it's not as egregious as the Lurie Garcia one. And you can make a case of, oh, would he, you know, if, even if he did get a good jump getting back there, would he actually beat it? However, um, it's another rally killer here, Steve. Yeah. You, you can't continue to have guys cut off on the bases when you have opportunities, especially when you got guys in scoring position right there. We've seen Jose Abreu is a very aggressive base runner, um, trying to go second to home, first to third. We've seen that for the entirety of his career with the Sox. So if you're able to get a ball in the outfield there, you know, with two outs, you feel pretty good about his chances of of potentially scoring that game tying run right there. So really that's a spot. You see that, that line drive, it's almost right in front of you with it going to second base. You have to freeze on that and, and you can't afford to get yourself picked off again. So this team gave away, two pivotal outs in a situation where, and in a ball game where they had opportunities to add on additional runs. And we talk about this again, far too often this year is this team not 
adding on additional runs when they are given opportunities to do so. And look what happens as a result. Right. And Tony and I talked about the importance of if you're going to do this bum sling tour, uh, like we all hope that the White Sox are able to put together here over this next 19 game stretch here. I guess we're 17 more uh, since we're two into it already here. Um, but you're going to need to take advantage of other teams doing White Sox shit, or at least what the White Sox have done so far um, this year. So um, unfortunate there. Uh, once again, it's uh, another word that is used all too common uh, we're talking about this uh, team this year. Um, but then the redemption arc starts to formulate a little bit, I guess you could say, because Larry Garcia does make a nice snag um, out there in the bottom of the sixth to potentially save some runs there. Uh, and then you get in the uh, top of the seventh. That's where the White Sox start their rally and eventually take the lead here, Steve. Um, and that was Larry Garcia getting it going um, with two outs. Uh, he hits a single and then the, uh, Rockies have some pitcher injury issues of their own there. Uh, so then Tim Anderson comes up big spot facing a lefty gets the job done. I know you love to see that. Timmy, my guy coming, coming through in a big spot right there for the life of me. I will never understand why an opposing manager when given an opportunity will bring in a left-handed pitcher against this white Sox team, regardless of a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher in a close game. This team just doesn't hit right-handed pitching as well as they do left-handed. So if you give them the opportunity to face that southpaw, you're just playing into the White Sox hands right there. And we saw Tim take full advantage of that um, in that spot. And then Yohan Mankata followed that up with just an absolutely fantastic plate appearance, working a walk. The at-bats and the quality of those at-bats, I would say in the last uh, two weeks or so out of Yohan, have really been outstanding, I think particularly since he has been moved back up into that number two slot in the order. So helping to provide a little bit of balance from a handedness perspective at the top part of this lineup. And if Yohan is able to start working some counts again with regularity, drawing the walks like we have seen him throughout the course of his career, again, that's going to give this Sox team an opportunity to potentially be a little more dangerous offensively. Yeah, right. And Yohan, my God, obviously coming up with a big hit uh, in last night's game to eventually uh, plate the go-ahead run. So nice to see that from Yohan there. AJ Pollock coming up clutch. He's the one that eventually gives the White Sox the lead here with two uh, RBI single out to right field, just kind of fists it out there, Steve. Um, AJ Pollock, as we, we've talked about him being streaky here, looks like we are in the midst now of another hot streak. We are in the midst of another one of those hot streaks, and particularly doing so in high leverage situations here with two outs and runners in scoring position. So we saw this, um, obviously, as he was the guy that knocked in the go-ahead runs on Saturday night in game two of the doubleheader. He's had a couple of other recent games in the last two or three weeks that he's been able to do that and come through in pivotal situations. So for a guy that has really struggled by and large throughout the course of this season here in his debut with the White Sox, to see him come through again in some of these spots is – Pretty important and hopefully a good sign of him continuing this hot streak into the foreseeable future because this team definitely needs it. Yeah, right. So we're feeling pretty decent at this point because it was, you know, uh, w w despite the mistakes, White Sox still able to take a uh, lead in this one. Uh, so White Sox up five to three at this point. And then as we move into uh, seventh inning of Jose Ruiz on the mound, he does give up one run on a Glacius RBI single. Um, and then the eighth inning. Okay. Um, let's talk Joe Kelly here for a little bit because um, I'm a bit concerned about this, Steve. Uh, he had his, you know, he let, uh, let up a double, struck out um, Blackman, I believe. Uh, and then he hit next batter, 
which that was contentious. I believe that could have been a foul ball. Looked like a hit right off the knob of the bat. But then, however, does strike out Chris Bryant, but is shaking his hand there. Uh, White Sox said he exited with biceps soreness, I believe, biceps tightness. Um, and that's not good considering the uh, issue that he had to start the year. It was nerve surgery that he uh, had in the offseason, which put him out for early in the season. Then he's had various other um, dink and dunk injuries here and there throughout the season. But this one feels like it could be a longer term one. Yeah, this is obviously very concerning. Um, it, my initial thought, just seeing him shake out his hand the way he was, was that it was some type of a nerve issue. And as you mentioned, that was a thing that shelved him in the early part of the season, uh, cost him the season's first two months, really. So it's almost at this point where you can't count and really get much of anything out of Joe Kelly for the remainder of this season. Um, I know that's probably a little bit too speculative at this point here, but what have you really gotten from him in terms of consistency? Um, this signing, <laughs> all things considered, just looks like an absolute disaster right, right now and some more misallocation of funds towards a bullpen that is still problematic. Right. And, you know, a couple of those were, like I would said, some dink and dunk stuff. What did he have? The, the hamstring that that can kind of just like happen, that kind of stuff. But when you're talking about the arm uh, in kind of persisting issues or previous issues that spark back up again. That's just where I get really concerned. So uh, that is your White Sox injury um, sort of breakdown from this one. Obviously, Reynald Lopez not available, uh, dealing with some back soreness. Hopefully, that's something that can subside soon as well, especially if, if you're going to be down another guy here in this pen with Joe Kelly. So, um, Steve, the painful, painful end. Kendall Graveman, we walked the bases loaded in the ninth inning. Um you know, it's a question of, you know, would Liam Hendricks been available? Who knows? He deals with altitude sickness, which just happens to be the title of this show. And Steve, it's just so White Sox when you talk about, you know, finding new ways to lose, inventing new ways to lose, so to say. And this isn't a, you know, I understand certain conditions can affect other, you know, certain people in their own ways. All human bodies different. OK, so I'm not saying this is Liam Hendricks fault here, but of course, it's that so White Sox in which they have, they finally go above 500. They have a chance to go gain a game on the twins here. And then guess what? You can't go to your closer because he deals with this altitude sickness because he threw last night. Well, Kittle Graveman threw last night too, uh, but he obviously didn't have it today uh, to try and lock this thing down. Unbelievably frustrating. I don't know what else you really can say about it uh, from Hendricks not being available due to the altitude sickness. Um, that and I, is, I said that's all speculative too. I don't sure, know if that right. was for sure, but he did comment on that was something that had affected him in the past. Right. So you go from that, and then just you know, Graven not being able to throw strikes. You and Sean talked about this um, a couple of weeks back about him just walking a tightrope, seemingly falling behind hitters on on a consistent basis two o two one three one, and then finding a way to work back into counts and and get guys out ultimately. But today that just wasn't the case and he was not particularly close with a lot of those pitches there were some borderline ones that he did not get unfortunately but he was missing wide quite a bit and when that happens you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt on those close calls um this Sox team just simply walks too many guys it, you know we we're talking about this in the group text they're fourth from the bottom in terms of overall walk percentage as a team and that's just not going to get it done and that goes for the starting pitchers the bullpen it's just up and down the roster unfortunately they give too many free passes 
to teams. And ultimately, it comes back to bite them in the ass far too often. There's a reason why it's called the dreaded, right? You know, that was obviously an old, an old hawkism that we all know. And we, we heard so, so many times uh, throughout watching White Sox baseball uh, through the years. But it, it's just rings so true. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why that keeps saying. And then guess what? You pile those on top of each other. Um, and like you'd said, Steve, you were kind of already anticipating it. You're like, you know, can't wait uh, to see uh, exactly how this one fold, unfolds for the loss. And uh, sure enough. Um, it ended up being a single, um, uh, I believe it was Diaz, uh, that hit that and then, uh, two run score throw home could have possibly been a play there, but at the same time, I didn't have any faith, even if they were to get that out at home, that the white Zacks were able to put the clamps on there, uh, and then also, uh, rally in an extra inning scenario. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's remarkably deflating when you see other teams load the bases and you can almost anticipate that they are going to score multiple runs against the Sox. <laughs> and then on the flip side of it, the Sox get a bases loaded, nobody out situation. You think to yourself instinctively, how are they going to fuck this up and not score at all? Right. Yeah. It make me sick. That's uh, that's why the names here. Phil, Phil Leotard today make me sick on both ends here of this one. So um, I guess I go back to my big picture thing. White Sox had an opportunity to go and gain a game here because the twins lost today. And yet you're still sitting there. Granted it's three, three back. Um, but still you're going to need to rely on the twins keeping losing. And then you got to finally start taking care of business. Um, the next chance to do that will be at home against the A's and Steve. This is something I was talking about with Tony. We, we were uh, last night when we were kind of looking ahead to this next stretch. And this game was important because sure, this is a team. The A's coming into town this weekend are a team that you should sweep however i don't know if i have that faith and i would say two of three is probably their best case scenario this weekend i don't know about you and your weekend outlook we've seen plenty of times this year when subpar teams have come into guaranteed rate field and the socks on paper should have an advantage and then they don't take advantage of it we saw it against the texas rangers we saw it against the kansas city royals we saw it against the baltimore orioles now granted the orioles have uh that was kind of at the beginning of this upward trajectory that they have been on but going into that series you know nobody thought the orioles were going to take three out of four from the Sox at home um this team can't seemingly get out of their own way they just they're not playing well at home and you know i think the one of the other big picture things that we need to talk about in these two games, they didn't hit a single home run yeah, in Colorado. Yes, right. That's a problem. It, they didn't elevate the ball too much either, Steve. It's not like they gave themselves a whole lot of chances. I saw a lot of shit on the ground this uh, over this past two days. Yeah, it's just, it's so maddening watching this team right now. Um, you have those couple of days you know, you have the game on Sunday where you you light up Shane Bieber and you're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe this is maybe this is a turning point. You know, um, you hit the three home runs in that game and you feel really good about it. You think, okay, they're gonna start elevating the big they're gonna start hitting home runs again, and they're gonna they're gonna get this thing going. And then you go to Coors Field in Denver, hitters paradise, and you don't hit a single home run. It, I just I'm at a loss for words yeah, at this it, point. It's baffling. Baffling is a good uh, term to describe that there. But uh, it'll be back on the south side this weekend. So I guess uh, all we can do is look forward here uh, to this next series. And it'll be Lance Lynn taking the bump on Friday night uh, when the White Sox are back home. Uh, James Keprilarian. 
Is that how you say it? I am terrible. Caprillion. Caprillion. Okay, I was close trying to sound it out here. But that'll be the pitching matchup for this Friday night game here. Uh, Lance going in this one. A nice bounce back start in his outing on the Saturday night game of that doubleheader over last weekend. Um, I am looking for more of the same. Um, I'll be in attendance, so I'll be cheering our guy on just like I was last week. And uh, we need him. We need him to step up. You got to, you know, we've talked about obviously Dylan Cease being a stopper uh, of sorts in, you know, and he'd still be your go-to guy for that. However, Lance Lynn has the veteran pedigree, the guts and nuts, you know, all the fire, passion, Chicago tough, all that stuff that we like to talk about, Steve. We're going to need it. And it's weird to say in a series against the athletics, because at a time like this last year, we would probably just kind of be on cruise control, right? Not the case this time around. You're absolutely right. And something that you touched on just a couple minutes ago it's about time that this team stop relying on other teams to help them. They need to stop relying on the twins or the guardians losing games. They need to start taking care of business in house. They need to start taking care of business on the field with what they do and not scoreboard watching and hoping that someone else is going to keep them close. You're not going to win this division. You're not going to make up this three game deficit. If you don't start winning baseball games with regularity and doing so against teams that you should beat. The A's are almost 30 games below 500 here. They're really packing this thing in before they get the moving bands ready to go to Vegas. You need to go out there and you need to kick them in the nuts this weekend. Like two, like two out of three. I feel like that's what we're all expecting out of this. But if there was ever a time to go out there and fucking sweep somebody, this is it. This is when it needs to happen. Right. And it's, you know, we, it's the should be the bum slaying tour. They should, should have taken care of business today. Okay. Uh, they didn't. But how, how long are we just going to prolong this down the road? Oh, well, okay. They did the split or they did this two or three. Now it's, you know, the next series is when they can do No. Now is the time to just do it and hashtag set the tone for this thing. Because guess what? Yes, as frustrating as this thing was, and they absolutely should have had a win uh, in the left-hand column today. But as you're going forward here, this is still very early in the stretch. So like I said, I'm kind of contradicting what I just said there. But there's a time to write it. You go and sweep this thing. We're not thinking too, too much about this game here on Wednesday afternoon in Colorado. Am I right? You're 100% right. So the best way to go about putting a disappointing performance like this in the rearview mirror is for Lancelin to go out there, do what he did on Saturday, pound the strike zone, set the tone against the A's because nobody in that lineup scares anybody across major league baseball here. So Lance be the big bastard, go after him early and often. And for the love of God, someone on this team hit the ball in the air and hit it over the fucking wall. Yeah, very simple ask, very simple ask. So uh, let's go with the pick-to-click uh, for Friday night's game. Um, I'm going to take uh, Mr. Yoan Mancada. I think he's going to uh, I think he's going to leave the ballpark again. I'm really liking the at-bats that we're seeing out of him, getting himself into good quality counts and doing some damage on the baseball. All right. Um, I would assume this guy's going to be in the lineup, you'd hope, after an off day. Um, I'm going to go with Tim Anderson, the little hashtag set the tone action. Um, I think that would be a good way to start to, um, you know, lick these wounds uh, that we have that are so fresh right now, but hopefully uh, with an off day and then, you know, a, what we hope 
to be a dominant performance, not only Friday night, but all weekend. I think that would be a good way to start it with, with a Timmy leadoff home run. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've seen one of those as well. So I'll go Tim Anderson at the top there. So um, Steve, final thoughts. And we're about to get out of here. Makes me fucking sick. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yep. I would, I would kick Earth. That's a good one here. Um, so I, I do as well. But like I said, um, this is still early in the stretch, and this was only two games to start this, so I don't want to play that. But winning can cure all, and winning can cure it by you would a uh, point that you had reemphasized uh, that I had initially brought up and, and that was the, to stop the scoreboard watching and relying on that stuff. If you just take care of your business and whatever, however the cards may fall uh, throughout the rest of it, as long as you keep on stacking these wins against the teams that you should be collecting wins against, then I think things will start to fall in favor a little bit more uh, for this te- white Sox team. So, all right, that'll do it for this edition of Sox on tap. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully we got a little nice venting session in there for you. Make sure you subscribe on tap sports net on YouTube. So you can join the conversation here and we can feature comments uh, as they come in live during this show. Go and follow us on social media at Socks on Tap at ONTAP Sportsnet and visit ONTAPSportsnet.com for all of your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. So one's tough to say, but until next time, Steve, White Sox forever. White Sox for life.